Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online knows you might not be able to get out to a game this year, but you can still get in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head on over to Bet Online today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. <laughs> What's up, guys? Week 13 in the books, and uh, with week 13 being done, that is the third quarter of the season gone, which means we've got one quarter left, four games before we're put out of our misery, and the 2020 campaign uh, is over, and we get to move on to whatever's next uh, in 2021, whoever's next, and so on uh, and so forth. We begin that uh, fourth quarter with the Houston Texans, and our good friend Brett Coleman from the Film Room on YouTube, formerly of the Battle Red blog on SB Nation, um, you know, a Texans fan. And I found out a couple weeks ago on his tweets that uh, Brett's also a Bears fan. Who knew? So, uh, you know, so he's been uh, in, in double pain. He, he His football team started 0-4 because one of the most, uh, you know, ugliest schedules to start with. Um, you know, Bill O'Brien, their head coach, fired after an 0-4 start. Romeo Cronell comes in. Uh, they're 4-4 and since Romeo came in uh, as interim coach, and they played a lot of one-score games as well. So their record could, you know, could be in e- either way. You know, they could be 1-7, 2-6, or they could be, you know, 7-1 and since taking over, uh, playing in those one-score games uh, and everything. Not to mention, Deshaun Watson might have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder coming in to Soldier Field uh, on Sunday. You know, the team that didn't even bring him in for a workout or uh, talk to him in the pre-draft uh, process and, uh, you know, ended up picking the uh, what turned out to be not the right quarterback uh, in that 2017 uh, draft. So, yeah, he might be coming in with some uh, with that chip on his shoulder, even though he'll be coming in um scarce in in weapons will fuller suspended for the year randall cobb hurt Uh, you hear brett talk about it as far as who the texans will be missing um and i also kind of want to apologize a little bit in advance um we didn't talk much about the game like i i I kept I, i was cognizant of it as the as the interview was going on so i kept trying to circle back to it but the conversation kept taking us you know it, it was very bears uh, heavy because like I said Brett is a is a Bears fan or it, it kind of stayed away from the X's and O's portion uh, of the game like I said you'll, you'll see me trying to trying to bring it back but the conversation kept going uh, in other ways you're talking about who we would like to see run the team if you know if the Bears go ahead and pull the trigger uh, on you know letting Nagy and Pace go and 
you know, other thing. We, t- we do talk a lot about who the Texans might be going after uh, in their GM and head coach search and, uh, and things like that. But overall, I had a fantastic time to talking uh, to Brett. I talked to him yesterday uh, on Tuesday. Uh, so no no word of injuries or you know who's playing and all that kind of stuff uh, one thing I did notice I was looking at uh, Instagram earlier today saw the Bears practicing in those um, uh, 1936 throwbacks that they wore last year the ones with the ugly ass Pippi Longstocking striped socks uh, they were wearing those helmets in practice today so I actually thought they were going to wear those uniforms last week for the Lions but I guess they're saving it for the uh, for the Texans, so we'll be wearing uh, we'll be wearing uh, white white at home on on uh, Sunday for those throwback uh, unis. So we'll see how we do. Uh, we won our you know we won our what two games last year in those uniforms. We beat the Vikings and we beat the Cowboys uh, wearing those uniforms. So maybe they'll be a good luck charm. We get a win over we get our first win over the Texans because we haven't beat the Texans yet in their very short history. Uh, we Mitch gets a win over Deshaun Watson, so he has bragging rights on the face-to-face matchup, and uh, the Bears can end this little six-game losing streak and get the fourth quarter of the season kicked off right. So, let's go ahead and dive into this conversation. Um, you know, I, I lo- love talking to Brett. He's such a smart guy, football-wise, uh, and things like that. Says that he'll possibly be making a Bears-related film in the off-season. He said most likely. So, um, you know, that'll probably be an episode. Uh, during the off season is having Brett on the show to help us uh, break down the video and uh, and so on and, and so forth. So, but it's been a really good, even though it's been a terrible year for the Bears and uh, the way they've been playing football. I feel like I've had a really good year uh, with guests, with only a few more to go. And actually, a couple of them are, are repeats. We got uh, Chris Gates again next week for the Vikings, and then uh, you know I'm not sure who yet who yet I'm having on for the. Uh, for the Jaguars yet, but then we got Evan Western uh, week 17. So I was like, I feel like I'm killing it with my guests uh, this year. And I've gotten a lot of really great feedback from you guys as well. So uh, I think you agree with me uh, as well. It's been a good year for the guests that we've had on the show, despite the uh, product we've been watching uh, on the field. So let's go ahead and get into it. It's the week 14 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Week number 14 has our beloved returning home, or staying home, I should say, to Soldier Field, uh, this time hosting the Texans in the, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, we're down six six losses in a row, so why not have the guy that's pissed that we didn't pick him uh, come into town or be insulted that we didn't pick him or that we didn't talk to him, uh, Deshaun Watson and the Texans, and uh, here to help preview this game with us, uh, Brett Coleman. From the film room on YouTube, uh, Brett, how we doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Uh, well, I don't know if you just heard. We've lost six in a row, so not great. <laughs> uh, we just lost a home game against the Lions where we had a 10-point lead uh, with four minutes to go uh, in the game. So, um, yeah, not, not doing great. Well, if um, there's ever a time to beat the Texans, it's this year. Well, you know, and as we were just briefly talking before we got started with the recording here uh the bears have yet to beat the texans in the texans short yet rich history uh, in the nfl uh thus far we are a whopping owen four uh against the texans uh up to this point so um 
if ever there was a time that the Bears needed a victory and, you know, here come the Texans and Deshaun Watson, who I'm sure is being asked questions about the, the Bears not picking him and all that kind of stuff and uh, uh, all the rest of it, uh, you know, he seems like he's always kind of had a chip on his shoulder when anybody asks him about uh, not getting picked by the Bears or getting passed over uh, and, and whatnot, and here he is coming to town uh, to finally play us face-to-face. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure he remembers, uh, you know, back when he was on, I think it was Good Morning Football before that draft in 2017, and he said, you know, what, what happens if, like they directly asked him, it's like, what happens if somebody takes, you know, Mitch Trubisky over you? And he said that would be a mistake. And uh, I... Well, he can't say he was wrong. No. <laughs> it was definitely a mistake. And uh, what's funny, like kind of sidebar from the whole like Texans, Bears, Deshaun thing. Mm-hmm. I always find it funny how because like my my other team that I that I root for is the Bears, ironically enough. Right. And uh, I always find it funny that the Bears get so heavily scrutinized for passing on Mahomes and passing on Deshaun and trading up for Mitch. When the team that the Bears traded with, the 49ers, also needed a quarterback that year and had a top three pick after trading down with the Bears and still didn't take either one of those guys. And yet somehow the 49ers escape all criticism from that. Well, the Bears get, you know, absolutely reamed anytime Deshaun completes a pass. I always find that pretty funny myself. Yeah. And and what's really fun is that we uh, is that Bear fans get it from both sides. We get it from. You know, like from everyone that isn't a Bear fan and Bear fans at the same time. Like some Bear fans <laughs> just can't let it go. They just can't let it go that we went ahead and we picked uh, Mitch. And, you know, they're always bringing up Deshaun Watson or uh, or, or Mahomes. And, and, you know, like, well, Mahomes would have made that throw or, you know, Watson wouldn't have done that and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, well. We didn't take either one of those guys. I mean, it's just, you know, what are it you going to do? It is what it is. It is what, exactly. It is what it is. Um, you know, if if I'd have had things my way, we wouldn't have taken a quarterback at all in 2017. I Who didn't, did you want? I wanted Jamal Adams. Uh, I mean, I, you wouldn't have been wrong. No. Technically. And it wasn't so much that I didn't want any of those three guys. I didn't want the Bears to draft a quarterback, period, because – we had one of the weakest off seasons uh, as far as like acquiring talent uh, for the, like we literally had no one for the quarterback to throw the ball to, you know, it's like Marcus Wheaton was our prized wide receiver free agency grab uh, in that off season. Um, you know, we had basically, it was just going to be Jordan Howard banging his head up against the wall. Uh, and every now and then maybe we try a play action pass because no one's going to believe a straight drop back because we don't have anyone for him to throw the ball to we didn't have a tight end we 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 didn't have any receivers of note or anything like that it's like why would we put a rookie quarterback in this situation it's like let's keep building the defense because 2016 even though we were three and 13 the defense was pretty good let's you know get some offensive pieces let's build the team up first and then drop the quarterback in on that and then, you know, Pace went right against that. And not only did we take a quarterback, we drafted up, gave up four picks to get the guy and ended up picking the guy that, uh, you know, ended up being the worst case scenario. Yeah. And I, I mean, part of it is offensive line. Part of it is oh, Maggie. Yeah. Part of it is Pace. I mean, there, there's a, the skill position talent I've always felt has been fine for the last three years because you had sure. A-Rob, you yeah, had yeah. Miller, 
Tariq when he was healthy. You know, I'm happen to be a fan of Dave Montgomery. I don't think the skill position, you know, problem is a or skill position group is a problem at all. I think it's always been Nagy, offensive line, and then just the quarterback itself. And <laughs> the Bears are still not that far away. Yeah. And you know, you could say, oh, we'll just you know we'll get a mid first round pick this year, most likely. You know, maybe maybe we get lucky and like Zach Wilson falls or Trey Lance or something like that. But you also have to think this team is already very expensive. Yep. And it's gonna keep being expensive. And we're still not sure if COVID's going to affect the salary cap a lot. Like I think if it was me, you let a Rob walk, you trade Mac, you trade Hicks, you get what value you can out of the roster, and you basically pull a Dolphins who completely blew up their roster. Mm-hmm. And then you give yourself a bunch of cap space for the following year. You get a quarterback in here. uh, And then, like, in year two of the quarterback, you know, that's when you make a big free agency push and all that kind of stuff, which is what they did. Um, I just – I don't feel like this roster, even if you get a young quarterback with it, it's – I don't think it's sustainable anyway just because it's so damn expensive. So you might as well just blow the whole thing up and invest all of your – what little offseason assets you have in offensive line – and quarterback, and then you try to roll with Anthony Miller and Tariq Cohen and Dave Montgomery and, you know, their 11 tight ends they have. You try to roll with that for 2021. And then, like, this receiving class is also pretty deep. Maybe you can get lucky and get a receiver in, like, day two. But, like, for me, you blow up the defense, you get a bunch of money, you get a new coach, you get a new GM, you get a quarterback, and you invest every other asset you have in the offense and then figure out the defense again later. And you know what? I I don't hate that idea. Uh, I would certainly hate to see some of those guys go. Um, I, I have a, a you know a friend that I've had on the show uh, writes for SportsMockery.com, Eric Lambert. Uh, he's been on the show a few times, and every now and then, like like he's already started writing like mock off season columns where basically, if it was up to him, this is what he would do. This is the you know the obviously Pace and, and Nagy are gone. Here's the GM. Here's the coach. He would you know trade Kyle Fuller, trade Hicks. Uh, I think he held on to Mac in in the last one that I read. But we traded Akeem Hicks. We traded a Kyle Fuller. We got all this cap space and acquired these extra picks. We did a tag and trade uh, with Robinson uh, and everything. So we get like a second round pick for for Robinson and trade him off to to whoever and uh, and whatnot. And you know the moves that he made and all that kind of stuff were, were kind of interesting uh, and what he did. So it's like, I, I would hate to see somebody like Hicks go. Uh, Cause not only is, is he a, is he a good player, but he's also kind of an emotional leader uh, for the team. Those guys are hard to replace, uh, but he is expensive. He is North of 30 now. So it's probably not the worst idea to maybe, you know, uh, see if we can get something for him while he's still worth something. Yeah, and, and again, it's it's less about quality of the player. Like, he's still phenomenal. Mac yeah. is still phenomenal. But as long as you have so much money already on the books, you're not going to be able to build the offensive line that can help a rookie quarterback be successful anyway. Yeah. You know? So it, if you're going to choose to build one side of the ball, you got to start with the offense, especially if you're starting over a quarterback. Yeah. The only time uh, you can kind of get away with underspending on offense and then putting a lot of money on the defense is if you have a veteran quarterback that can kind of make do with nothing. You know, we saw 
The Patriots do that for a while. We saw, you know, the Saints are spending a lot on offense right now outside of a few key positions. Or uh, Saints are spending a lot on defense right now outside of a few key positions on offense. Like, a veteran quarterback that's really good under pressure and can kind of, again, make do with nothing is like the one exception. But as long as you're starting over at quarterback, spend every dollar you possibly can on offense to make sure they're successful. Yeah. And, and and that's what I think we need in the next general manager for the Bears is someone who can balance a roster because the last three general managers and Emery, uh, Angelo, and Pace have specialized in building up one side of the ball while the other side suffers drastically. Um, you know, Angelo and Pace seem to be really good at putting together defense, but you know, just terrible at trying to sustain anything worthwhile uh, on offense. Um, Pace a little bit better on offense than Angelo was, but still pretty much the same thing. All of his money, all of, you know, you know, uh, the Angelo's Khalil Mack was Julius Peppers. You know, that's where he, you know, sank all of his money, you know, uh, investing in Erlacher and Briggs, keeping them around and uh, Peanut Tillman and, and those guys. And then you have, you know, Pace with Mack and, and uh, and Hicks and uh, you know re-signing Danny Trevathan, uh, making a double-digit uh, you know or an eight-figure guy out of Kyle Fuller and making Eddie Jackson the highest-paid um, safety in the league. Meanwhile, we have undrafted rookies and first-round bust stowaways and everything trying to block for our quarterback that's supposed to be the future of the franchise. And then Phil Emery was just the opposite. the The defense went off a cliff. When when Tressman took over under Emery, but we had the best offense in football uh, for a mm-hmm. couple of years. You know, we were able to score thirty points a game, but then again, we had to because our defense was giving up almost as many points, if not more. So we need to find a general manager who can balance out the roster so that we have you know maybe have a superstar or two on both sides uh, of the ball, and we can even it out and stop being so you know uh, top heavy or you know. Like the seesaw is only going one way uh, with with the general managers that we've had recently. Yeah, you need somebody who can off uh, you know evaluate offensive line as well. Yeah, because like I liked Alex Bars coming out, but I'm eh so far. Yeah, uh, you know Rashad Coward's not been great. Oh, fucking hell! You know, Don't get me Cody started. Cody as a pass blocker has been. Not great as a run blocker, he's been fine, but as a pass blocker this year, he's been awful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Fetty's been okay, uh, Leno's been solid, but again, the, their best offensive lineman is probably Leno, and he's solid at best. You know, it's what about, uh, what about Daniels? Uh, I, I really like Daniels as a prospect. Um, I still have hope for him again because we saw him do well against Aaron Donald yeah, yeah. in the past. Um, still a really good run blocker. I mean, he can reach block like crazy. So I, Daniels is one where it's like it kind of depends on the coach that's coming in. Like if you're a predominantly zone coach, yeah, I keep Daniels. If it's a lot of gap scheme stuff, maybe not because um, I think he he's clearly stronger in his own system. But um, I still think he's really talented. He's also really young, too. Very young. Yeah. Very, very young. And I think he has some positional flexibility with center or guard. The thing is, they just have to pick one and stick to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that with the way that, that Mustafa has, has stepped up, that uh, Cody Whitehair can play guard and that uh, Daniels can – that that can be our interior. 
you know, what white hair Mustafar okay and Daniels uh, to be the I, interior yeah. and then fix the tackles. Yeah, I would be fine with that. Um, but it seems like they've had, let's see, let me count them up right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, minimum eight guys this year take at least 200 snaps. <laughs> so it's been constant rotation yeah. and position switches. Like the tackles are the only ones that have been semi-consistent. Yeah. In terms of like playing the same position over and over again. Well, Leno's the only one that started every game. Yeah. 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 So it's it's and like again when it, when you're throwing out Rashad Coward and Alex Bars Ugh. as guys that have taken significant snaps, that kind of tells you the state of the interior offensive line. Did you? But did you? I'm sorry to interrupt. Did you see what Rashad Coward did on Sunday? No. What happened? He was the one that got blown up on the extra point that basically ended up costing us the game. Was that him? Oh, that I didn't was see it. him. And then he he never saw the field again. Uh, they put I mean, Alex Bars in his spot on 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 uh, extra points and field goals. After that, that makes sense. So I think he might be done. Done as far as like seeing his days uh, on the field. It's like it, it took us six games to get him off the starting lineup, and then we're still putting him out there for extra points. And he put in such a piss poor effort on that first extra point that you know he ended up getting the get the extra point blocked, and that changes the entire game because. If we make that extra point, then we're driving for a field goal at the end of the game instead of having to score a touchdown. So, you know, and we got in field goal range. Mitch got us down there in field goal range. We would have been able to kick a field goal and send it to overtime so that Detroit could beat us in overtime. But still, we would have at least been able to go to overtime uh, in that situation. So I'm just I'm very curious to see who they keep for 2021, because Cody and Daniels both like when they have played guard, they played left guard. Mustafer is obviously probably best at center. Yeah. So it's like, okay, are you having Cody and James battle it out for left guard? Does one of them switch to right guard and make their third position switch? You know, I, I, I don't, I, I have no idea how they're going to address this. Well, and if, it, if again, you remember, um, I think when when Kyle Long got hurt in twenty, because Cody Whitehair was a rookie in twenty sixteen, so it was twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen because Kyle Long got hurt in both of them, but. Um, Cody Whitehair took some time at right guard as well. Yeah, uh, you're right. During that time period. So I think logically they'd probably keep Daniels at left guard and move Cody over to right. Which I would be okay with. Yeah. But I still would want to bring in some extra guys. Oh, for sure, man. That's, you know, if if we've learned nothing this year, depth is is enormously important uh, on the offensive uh, line because I think that we're lucky that we finally found a combination that is is at least average in in in, in doing what we need them to do because poor Nick yeah. Foles granted he did not play well but he was under fire literally every moment that he was on the field uh, and so I think that's part of the reason why they went back to Mitch because they're yeah. like well at least Mitch can run yeah. not well like and like when he runs like he doesn't you know, he doesn't really run to throw, yeah. but at least he can not take as many sacks. I yeah. don't know. It's, so uh, it's just a that's why I want Zach Wilson, because at least Zach Wilson, when he's on the move away from pressure, he's very accurate. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think in terms of being able to play backyard ball behind an inferior offensive line out of all the guys not named Trevor Lawrence in this class, it's probably Zach Wilson that, that's the best at that. 
Yeah, he seems to be the darling of uh, Bear fans. I guess, you know, those of us who are having realistic expectations that we're not going to be in the Trevor Lawrence uh, sweepstakes and that, you know, Justin Fields is going to be gone shortly thereafter, if not right after uh, Lawrence gets picked. So uh, Zach Wilson kind of seems to be the one they like to zero in on. Either him, maybe Mac Jones. If you guys go on a random tear at the end of the season, you're looking at Trask, you know, in the in the mid-teens. Mm-hmm. So, someone that kind of tier. But I think there's no shot you get Lawrence or Fields. There, right. There's no shot. Yeah. I, yeah, that's not going to happen. So, uh, and, and I wouldn't want us anting up to what it would take to get up in, into that spot. I don't even think either. that there is no offer the Jets would take. There's none. You don't think so? No way. No yeah. way. I don't doubt that either. If anything, you'd be better off trying to trade for Sam Darnold. <laughs> probably. Just, to, just yeah. to kick the tires. Yeah. That's you, probably you'd want to get through the idea. first round. And if you get if you get a guy you like in the first round, fine. If you don't, trade for Sam Darnold and kick the tires. Just see what you got. Right. You know. Yeah. Probably not the the worst idea. So let's talk about these Texans uh here because um I felt really bad for Houston uh, at the beginning of the year. <laughs> well, it, it just it, – because it reminded me very much of, you know, basically how the NFL just screwed the Texans the way that they did the Bears like in 2015 and 2016. We didn't have very good football teams, and in both of those seasons we started off the year with like three high-level playoff teams to start off the season. Like it was like Green Bay, Seattle, and Arizona coming off of uh, you know a deep playoff run to start one season, mm-hmm. and then it was like Green Bay and uh, you know two other teams that you know we didn't have a snowball's chance in hell against in 2016, and then we, we fast forward to 2020 with the Texans. You got the defending world champs in Kansas City, then you got Baltimore, then you got Pittsburgh. It's like Jesus Christ. It's like even if the you know. It's like you know, I think we the people held Houston in high regard coming into uh, the season, but it's like not against those three, not to start the year against that gauntlet of teams. It's like, what the hell is the NFL doing to these guys? And it's crazy because in the first nine weeks of the year, so over half the season, basically, yeah. it's Chiefs, Ravens, Steelers, Vikings, who are not as bad as their record. Right. They might even sneak into a wild card. It's possible. They, they just might. They, they might. And then you got the Jags, who are somehow worse than us. The Titans, Packers, Jags again, and then the Browns, who are a really good team. They're yeah. almost certainly going to go to the playoffs. So seven of their first nine games, minimum, could be playoff teams. <laughs> and then, oh, week 10 is the Patriots. Right. Who, again, are they're they're not a great roster but they're a very well coached team yeah and uh you know they only lost that game by seven to houston so it's like you didn't really get relief until you play the lions on thanksgiving (laughs) (laughs) which is just crazy it's it's the worst opening schedule to a season i i've ever experienced as a fan right not to mention you guys had an awesome off season coming into uh the into the into the year yeah and you know hey let's uh here's an idea let's trade deandre hopkins for an over the hill running back and a second round pick any objections and And then use a second round pick to go get brandon cooks (laughs) 
who's not the same as DeAndre Hopkins. Right. Is that and what he did with that pick? So he used the second rounder we got from Hopkins, which is a high second rounder on Ross Blacklock, who's a defensive tackle that we all really liked, which, by the way, they would not have had to use that pick on a defensive tackle if they didn't let DJ Reader walk in free agency, who's arguably the best nose tackle in the entire league. But whatever, I digress. And then in the late second round, they used that pick in a historically good wide receiver class, by the way, to go get Brandon Cooks. When we look at other receivers taking the second round this year, it's Chase Claypool, it's Denzel Mims, you know, freaking Mooney was a fifth round pick. Like yeah. you did not have to use a second round pick to go get an older wide receiver with a concussion history that over the last three years of his career averages less than 60 yards a game. Hmm. It, it was baffling. Well, after, after getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins, by the way. Yeah. Like if they just did nothing and they just re-signed their guys and didn't do anything else to the roster, this would probably be a playoff team. If they did nothing. <laughs> so what was Bill O'Brien trying to accomplish? I mean, was he trying to do uh, what you know, Patricia was doing in Detroit and, and yes, just get yes. his uh, his guys in line in the house? Or Yes. All these Belichick guys think they're Bill Belichick. Yeah. You know, they, they try to run, they call it a tight ship. And it's right. like, no, you're just being an asshole. Yeah. Like, you're not a player-friendly coach. The players don't like you. Because you act like you're running some winning program where you, you, you know, you listen to me and we'll win games. It's like, what have you won? You mm -hmm. know, people listen to Bill uh, up in New England because he's won six rings. Yeah. Of course you're going to listen to him. Of course you're going to take all of his crap and do things his way. He has an actual pedigree. Bill O'Brien hasn't won anything. Yeah. He had a 24 to nothing lead on the Chiefs and still lost. Why would the players listen to him? Yeah. So anytime somebody wasn't completely falling in line with his way or the highway, he got rid of them. Clowney, Dwayne Brown, Hopkins, the list goes on and on. And it's like, you haven't earned that, dude. Like yeah. You haven't. It, Patricia was the same way. You have not earned the right to be a dick to these guys. Mm -hmm. Like Brian Flores, who's probably the best Belichick disciple, doesn't act like Belichick. He is fiercely protective of his guys. You saw him going after Bengals in that ball yeah, yeah. In the game, you know, in the sun. Fiercely protective, fiercely loyal to his players. Is not a my way or the highway kind of guy. And you see the results. Mm -hmm. Like Belichick is one of the only coaches in the entire league that can get away with that style because he's Bill Belichick. And all these other Belichick disciples just basically cosplaying as Bill Belichick doesn't work. <laughs> cosplaying, I like that. But you're right. I mean, and and you see that a, a lot with these uh, with these Belichick guys that um, you know because they 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 come from the success and they and they watched basically everything Belichick do work over the years. I mean, because even when they weren't winning Super Bowls, they're still winning you know twelve, thirteen games a season and going deep uh, into the playoffs. I mean, it's like. Um, you know, Brady was like LeBron, where he was constantly in the AFC championship game. Like, that was the worst the Patriots could do for like seven or eight seasons in a row. They're at least in the AFC championship game. So every year, they have a legitimate shot to go to the Super Bowl. And that kind of stuff goes to these guys' uh, heads, especially when, when Belichick is letting these guys run that one particular side of the ball. I'm the defensive play caller and my defensive play calling got us to Super Bowl 51 and we beat the Falcons and uh and so on and so forth. So why wouldn't I be a genius in Detroit? 
and and it's like, oh, you mean your defensive play calling that had you guys down twenty eight to three? <laughs> really? <Right. laughs> your defensive play calling that had Dante Hightower blow up a block and get a forced fumble? That was that was you? You you made that play? Really? Yeah. Really? You're you're the guy that made that play. Okay. Okay. Sure. But it's just like it was. I mean, I kind of felt like this was a long time coming with with O'Brien because you've heard this stuff about you know turmoil with with players and him getting rid of guys and and you know it's just like why why did it take as long as it did to finally get rid of him? Because the Texans ownership is loyal to a fault, hmm. and Cal McNair, um, you know, son of the late Bob McNair, right. is weirdly trusting and gullible of people that he really shouldn't be. Hmm. And he wants to be a hands-off owner, which I respect, but he's not a very good judge of who should be hands-on in the organization. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think Rick Smith lasted longer than he should have at general manager. Bill O'Brien lasted longer than he should have at head coach. Jack Easterby is now the latest guy to kind of get into Cal McNair's ear, despite not being qualified to run this organization. Like his previous credential is being the team chaplain for New England. It's like wow. he doesn't have any experience running a GM search or a coaching search or being in charge of an NFL team. He does not not have the experience, but he's got Jack. Uh, he's got Cal McNair's ear, which is all that matters because Cal McNair is again, weirdly trusting of people that he shouldn't be. Hmm. And I, I love, he's a nice guy, great guy, Cal McNair. But there needs to be another layer here between him and the hiring process that yeah. is not Jack Easter. Like, he needs to bring in somebody with NFL experience, running a team, running a front office, you know, constructing a roster, coaching games, whatever the hell. Like, he needs, like, a Lewis Riddick, who's been a player, uh, his coaching experience, front office experience, media experience, like, that, like that's like my dream candidate is Lewis Riddick, who's done a whole bunch of stuff because at least Riddick is qualified. Yeah, to run a team, I I can't say the same for anybody else in probably the last five or six years that they brought in. Yeah, I think that like you know honestly the only knock on on Riddick is that he's been away from you know the front office and thing like you know for what four or five seasons. Now. Yeah, but but has he? And that's the thing is I hear that, but it's like has he really? Yeah, because he's constantly talking to GMs, oh, and yeah. scouts, and coaches. Yeah. Mike Mayock had never been in a front office before he became a GM, but he had been around football and around the team building process, and had so many friends that he had talked to and gotten advice from over the years. That it's it's almost like the separation helped him. And I kind of feel like it would be the same for Lewis Riddick, where it's like taking a step back and getting all these perspectives from around the league as a media personality can kind of help you pick and choose and kind of take the best of all these different little worlds and then kind of make your own thing. And we see the, we see what happened with the Raiders. They built a great roster in two or three years under Mayock. Yeah. Despite him, you know, not having experience, as we like to call it, but he kind of did in his own way. Well, I mean, you know, being, you know, like the guy outside of like Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay, as far as draft prospects and everything like that, this is a guy that that did his homework. And I'm sure he's continued to do that, even though he's only focused on one team instead of the entire league as, as he was as a 
as an analyst and and it's like the the whole thing about the the four or five years outside of the front office and everything is not a deterrent for me i love lewis riddick i'd love to see him uh running the team in chicago whether as the team president or our general manager i would take him as either one uh to be honest with you um and it's just like that's like if you if you had to find a reason not to hire riddick that's the one that you hear the most is that he's been you know several years removed from actually being in the muck in the league and everything like that. So I don't know, but it's, you know, is, was it just addition by subtraction with the Texans? Cause the first week without Bill O'Brien, you guys win a game and you're four and four since getting rid of him. So, you know, it was, was Romeo coming in and, and taking over the interim spot that much of a breath of fresh air or like what changed after O'Brien got tossed? Uh, well, I, I think, you know, it's it's been kind of like an open secret in Houston. And, and you know, Lance Zerline touched on this on the radio a couple of years back where it's like as soon as Bill took over GM duties, he had to take a step back from the actual coaching part. And, you know, he would be doing general manager stuff during the week and then he wouldn't even get involved with like, install until Friday or Saturday. And he would come in and make changes like the day before the game. Not to mention Deshaun, a lot of the times, you know, if Hopkins was banged up, which he was banged up quite a bit, he would take practice days off. Fuller would take practice days off. Stills would get veteran days. So you have a, a young quarterback practicing with all backup receivers for a game plan that would get changed the day before the game. And everybody wondered why we would always start so slow. Yeah. And it's well, duh, you know, so they would have to make in-game adjustments because their game plan would always be half-assed essentially. And so ever since Bill was gone, I think it kind of streamlined like the game planning process, the practice process, like organizationally, everything I think is, has been a little bit more divvied up. And because it's been divvied up and not centralized, it's been a little bit more organized. Hmm. Um, that's my general. And, and also, you know, I have to factor in the guys just didn't want to play for O'Brien. They yeah. love Romeo. They'll play for Romeo. Sure. You know, they, they just don't want to play for Bill. <laughs> so yeah because it's like the first game without him you guys um i mean you also had the good fortune of playing jacksonville uh that week yeah but, yeah. but you um, know there's been a couple other games where like they were in position to win you know they, they could be better than four and four right now yeah you know, they, they they could be you know they they could be five and three if they didn't have the you know the fumble late in the colts game this past weekend you know so mm. it's this could be a better team. Like, honestly, if they fired O'Brien after the Chiefs lost last year and brought in the enemy <laughs> or, yeah. uh, you know, if they cleaned house after last year, when to me it was clear after that Chiefs game, like, it's not going to work, then that could have avoided the Hopkins trade. Maybe they could have re-signed, re-signed Reader, who was kind of iffy on staying here because, again, Bill O'Brien. Um, if they blew it up when they were supposed to, I think this could probably be the best team in the AFC South but they're a year too late and they're paying the price for it. Yeah. Cause I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the, at the, uh, the schedule and, you know, big, you know, double digit losses to Kansas city and Baltimore, a one score game against Pittsburgh, one score against Minnesota, one score against Tennessee, a field goal against Cleveland, and then a one score game against Indianapolis. Those are the, the losses uh, that you've had that uh you know ball bounces one way or the other then maybe we're looking at different outcomes for for a lot of those 
games or were those big deficits and they caught up late? Uh, well, the Steelers won. They actually held a lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the, the, the Titans game was close. Uh, you know, that one went to overtime. Right. Yeah. Um, and, the, you know, Derrick Henry did Derrick Henry things because coin tosses are kind of crazy and stupid. <laughs> um, you, you know, they controlled the Patriots game from start to finish. Again, the, the Colts game from this past week, like they're down inside the 10 yard line, like right there. Like it, it's Deshaun. He could have made it happen if Nick Martin didn't screw that one up. Um, so and then the, the Browns game again, very winnable game. You lose by a field goal. Like this team could very easily, and I mean very easily, be uh, probably like six and five. Mm-hmm. I, I would say, or whatever the six and six at least. Yeah. Like they could at least be five hundred, and that's with their terrible roster. Mm-hmm. If they brought in a, a new coach and a new GM that didn't trade Hopkins and and kept Reader, they're probably first place in the division right now. I firmly believe that. Yeah, I mean, it just – it was amazing watching uh, O'Brien do what he did uh, in the offseason because it was just literally like every every talking head, every pundit, everyone who had an opinion all had the same question. Like, what the hell is this guy doing? Like, yeah. why, why would you give the best receiver in the NFL away, essentially? Just gave him away for nothing. You know, a second-round pick, okay, and then – Maybe a couple of days later, the Vikings get a king's ransom for Stefan Diggs when they send him to Buffalo. It's like, hey, Bill, that's the deal you should have gotten for for Hopkins, not a second round pick and a and a you know a, a, a you know taking a flyer on a on a on a washed up running back or or something like that. You get two first round picks and a fourth, and you know all that. That's what you're supposed to get because that's what DeAndre Hopkins is worth. You basically gave him away. And it's funny because the Vikings traded Diggs for the same reasons the Texans claimed they traded Hopkins, which was money. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you know what the Vikings did with the, the first rounder they got for Diggs? They drafted Justin Jefferson. Yeah. So it's like, okay, if your justification is money, use the draft pick you get to draft the replacement. Don't use a second-round pick to go get another expensive receiver who's not as good. Like their their justification, so called justification for that trade was blown up the second they didn't spend the resources that they got getting a young cheap wide receiver. Yeah, like that was when it became clear. Like, no, Bill O'Brien is just a dick, and he didn't like DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> oh man! So what's uh, you know you you you've had a roster? Have you you have you guys had COVID problems this year? We've had a few. Uh-huh. Um, Go. I, I don't know if they tested positive or if they were just contacts, but yeah. we have not had any like outbreaks or anything. Right. Like yeah. The Bears have been lucky with that as well. So, so it's you know has there have there been a lot of injuries or is it just you know a crap roster that that Bill Brad that that O'Brien saddled the team with going into the year after he made all of his genius moves? There's been uh, a, again a few little injuries here and there. Uh, you know, Cobb's on IR. Like the receiving core got completely blown up, basically all in a span of 24 hours with the Fuller suspension. You know, Stills got released that week, and then Cobb went on IR. So immediately losing three of your top four receivers in wow. literally a span of 24 hours. The offensive line has stayed mostly healthy. Some guys have missed like a game here or there. 
Um, again, same thing with the defensive line. It's been mostly healthy. There hasn't been major injuries, and I'm kind of going through IR right now um, just to see if I forget any. Brandon Scarlett, core special teams guy. Gary and Conley hasn't played at all. He played well for them as a man corner last year, but he's had two ankle surgeries because the first one there was a, a problem with. Bernardrick McKinney is probably the the main defensive starter you can point to that's been IR'd. But other than that, no, it's been a mostly healthy team. They just weren't that deep or talented to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, because I was kind of wondering, you know, what um, – because like I said, you're a 500 team since Romeo uh, took over uh, for for O'Brien. And it's just like, you know, like we we went through the scores a minute ago, you know, since – since uh you know Romeo came in the you know Green Bay 35 to 20 is the biggest loss so far everything else has either been a win or or a one score or a one score game so it's just like you you're you're in every game as opposed to the beatings that you took the first 4 weeks uh of the season uh when when O'Brien was still uh calling the shot so I was you know wondering where it was uh where was the the drop off from uh, from last year? Aside from not having the best receiver in the NFL on your roster anymore, the defense has definitely played better since O'Brien left. Which he didn't really have anything to do with the defense, but I just think that they've kind of gelled a little bit. Uh, not completely, because again, there's there's kind of a lack of talent, but they've just they've made less mental mistakes since the first month of the season. And Deshaun has become Super Saiyan <laughs> since. I mean, he played well in the beginning of the season, but he he's kind of, again, he's one of those guys where it's like he can, he can, he's a veteran guy at this point who can take a hodgepodge of receivers and still play out of his mind. He's done that over the last six weeks. So that's really been uh, the two biggest jumps we've seen is Deshaun going from great to elite and the defense going from absolutely putrid to just below average. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm happy for Deshaun because the one the the reason that I didn't want him in 2017 had nothing to do with his talent level. I thought for sure that uh, you know because we'd seen it happen over and over again, and and we really hadn't seen uh, one of these guys kind of emerge was that he would be the next uh, Robert Griffin or the next Vince Young. Griffin was more injuries, but still, uh, that you know, like Vince Young came in, he was electric as a rookie, but then it's like in the into the second and third year. The NFL kind of caught on to what his strength and weaknesses were, and he trailed off dramatically after that. And you know, I just I thought that he had that writing all over him. I, I you know, I I still hadn't seen anyone like him, uh, you know, like a like a Vince Young or a, or a, a Robert Griffin sustain have sustained success in the league. Both Griffin and Young were lights out their rookie year, and then kind of. Uh, fell off after that that's why I didn't want Watts and he comes in and especially the team that he would have been coming into in 2017 he would have been our entire offense it would have been all him because it would have been him or Jordan Howard and that's that's our offense in 2017 if we get Watson and if he somehow manages to succeed and then in 2018 they've you know the the NFL's got the film on him and they got him figured out so they know how to shut him down and we go off a cliff uh, after that you know, I just didn't want to see that happen, not to mention my previous gripe about him literally having no weapons to throw. I didn't think it was fair to bring a rookie quarterback into that 
Uh, it's not mess. fair to have a rookie quarterback have Dowell Loggins as his offensive coordinator. No, it isn't. <laughs> it really isn't. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I curse Adam Gase for leaving. Uh, you know, <laughs> I do. I honestly do because, you know, I don't think Fox ever entertained the idea of hiring outside to bring somebody in uh, to run the offense. So it was always Loggins' job to, to lose, and he was a god-awful uh, offensive uh, coordinator you know it, Still it was is. oh i'm sure i'm sure so where's he at now <laughs> the jets oh he followed he followed gase to to the jets he's actively ruining sam darnold okay he's doing what he does best awesome awesome so well at least the one thing he didn't do was break mitch's spirit uh going into that one year that he had him i mean he definitely did everything he could to ruin him but uh he didn't break his spirit so you know just getting browbeat by bear fans is what's done that to Mitch over the last three years. But, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, I just, uh, that was my, that was the, like I said, I, I had no, no doubt whatsoever in his talent. I just didn't know if it was long-term uh, in the NFL. And I'm, and I'm glad that he's proved me wrong in, in the first four years of his career. I think he's proved everybody wrong. Even the people that liked him. Yeah. I still don't think, you know, thought that he'd be top three consensus quarterback you know, in the league by year four. Yeah. Yeah. So. Like I, I liked him, but I had a high second round grade on him and I liked him a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I, I was not upset when we took him top 10. Cause I was like, well, okay, he's a quarterback. Like despite what the grade is, if you like the guy, you take the guy. Um, I had the same opinion on Mitch. It's like, if he's your guy, you can't let him go. And he was their guy. I didn't understand it, but I was like, whatever, they must see something I don't. Um, and so when, you know, Deshaun went 10 or 12 or whatever it was that year, I think, I think Mahomes was 10 and Deshaun was 12. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, when, when he went, I was like, okay, it's high for my grade, but again, he's a quarterback, so it's inflated value, whatever. We'll see how this goes. And then in the preseason, he was real rocky, like really rocky as a rookie. And I was like, uh, okay. I mean, again, we'll, we'll see how this goes. And then by his third start, he, it clicked for him and he got it. And I was like, all right, this is going to work. This, we're going to be fine. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's how long it took was three starts and then he had that injury in practice that blew up his yeah. rookie year after like the six and he was on pace for over 40 passing touchdowns as yeah. a rookie you guys think what justin herbert was doing this year is incredible go back and watch Deshaun's rookie year he was literally on pace to beat the all-time touchdown record by like 20 it was insane <laughs> yeah I, I just remember like what a what a dark day that was when he got hurt it's like man he was doing so well and, yeah. you know, people kind of freaking out like this, you know, can it be like another Teddy Bridgewater where it sidelined his career for like three, four years before Bridgewater finally found his way back into a, a starting lineup or to a spot where he could be trusted, uh, you know, by I mean, because it took him literally like two years to come back and then another like two or three years to kind of work his way up the roster to, you know, to be the number one guy off the bench for Breeze last year. And now he's a starter once again. In Carolina, that's like it took him like five years to get back to that. Yeah, although his injury was a lot worse. Oh too. yeah, it was. Yeah, you know, Deshaun's luckily was just a normal kind of run of the mill ACL tear, which he had been through before. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was able to kind of attack that rehab uh, with the mindset that he'd already done it before. Teddy, they thought he was going to lose his leg. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, he the, his 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 leg was or his injury was catastrophic. Yeah, um, it's a it's a miracle that he's even playing. Yeah, to be honest, let alone playing well. Yeah, kind of like uh, Alex Smith and the injury that yeah. he suffered. 
Uh, Alex Smith ago. is like the only one that I could think of that's worse. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what can we expect from this Texans team uh, on, on uh, Sunday? I, I haven't had, aside from like the first game of the year, I haven't seen the Texans play uh, this year. They don't get a lot of play here in Cedar Rapids, uh, Iowa. So I haven't had a lot of chances to check them, check them out this year. So what, what can we expect from the Texans on offense? Is it the Deshaun Watson show? Does he spread the ball around? What can we look forward to there? Definitely spreads the ball around. His number one receiver right now is just whoever's open. Um, you're going to get a lot of RPOs. Um, you're going to get almost no run game to speak of because for as good as this line is at pass blocking, they can't run block worth the damn, and their running backs aren't very good anyway. Um, if if Chicago plays a lot of too high coverages, which they tend to do, um, not as much as like the Rams or, or Denver, but they do play a lot of too high coverages. I think you might see some deep shots um, here and there to Brandon Cooks if you can kind of like occupy a safety with a tight end and then kind of give Cooks a one-on-one with a post. That's probably your best bet for a deep shot. It's going to be tough to do it if if Eddie's wise to it because Eddie is Eddie. But again, that's probably the only only way they can do it because Cooks is their only speed receiver left. But other than that, it's it's probably going to be check down city, working the flats, you know, trying to take advantage of these linebackers on RPOs. But yeah, I would. It's it's going to be tough sledding if if they can get Chicago into man looks. I think they might try to uh, attack Jalen a little bit. Compared, I mean, I'd rather attack Jalen than Kyle. Anybody would, but he's probably the only quote-unquote vulnerable corner that I can see them go after and man looks, but even then he's pretty good himself. I think it's going to be a fairly low-scoring game. I would imagine somewhere like 17-13. Really? Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't see a whole lot of offense in this one. Even with the way the Bears have been playing on offense the last couple of weeks? Even with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in either offense. <laughs> Deshaun, I think, is going to do some Deshaun things, make a few special plays to make a difference in this game because yeah. he's Deshaun. But again, we saw like, even, even if, you know, they get the run game going and Montgomery's playing well, they gave the, he had what two touchdowns in the first half and they didn't give him another carry till the end of the third quarter. It's like, I just, uh, Brett, I just got done cursing into the microphone for about 40 minutes uh, about this yesterday. I, I, I could not. And, and, and here's what really pissed me off. Brett is that here I am just the fat guy on the couch and I'm sitting here like why why aren't we running the ball with Montgomery because not only were we running the ball well but Montgomery seemed to have a little something extra in his motor on Sunday the way that he was running the kind of ferocity and and everything there was just something different about the way he was playing on Sunday we kept rotating him out and giving carries to Patterson and granted Patterson ran the ball well too but those carries should have gone to Montgomery because he was playing on a different level uh, that day. And then first drive of the game in the second half, Montgomery's not even on the field. He's not even on the field. It's Patterson and it's pass, 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 pass to start the start the half. He got five carries in the second half before that fourth and one. So six total in the second half after running for 60-something yards on 11 carries in the first half. And what really made me mad is that I could see that just sitting on the couch watching that, and then every podcast, every you know talking head thing that I saw yesterday afternoon while I was sitting here on the couch working and everything, all said the same thing. So everything from beat writers to Olin Krutz himself, 
You know, like, I don't know what the hell they were doing. Montgomery was the best player on the field. It was so obvious yesterday, and yet they barely used him in the second half after he ran for two touchdowns and 60-plus yards in the first half. I went on and on and on about it. It upset me to no end that it's like, how is it that it's so obvious to so many different people and our head coach is oblivious to it? I, like, I just and, don't get it. And that's why... I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, and that's why I think the Texans are going to win is because it doesn't matter if stuff works for the Bears. Right. It's right. Matt Nagy. You are absolutely right. <laughs> it's It doesn't matter if it yeah. works. Yeah, because uh, somebody brought up the fact that um, like, um, of, like last year, like in the playoffs or something, I think the, the 49ers beat the, the, I think the Vikings, and they had only passed the ball like seven times because mm-hmm. they ran for like 300 yards rushing in the game. So somebody asked Kyle Shanahan, it's like, why the hell did you only throw the ball seven times? You're a passing team. And he's like, because the running game was working. You know, It's like, I want to win the game, so why wouldn't I yeah. just keep doing what works? Nagy, on the other hand, I don't know what the hell he's doing. You know, And I know that he's not, quote-unquote, quote not calling plays anymore. Somehow I don't believe that's really – he was holding that card pretty tight on Sunday. So I'm thinking maybe he was overruling laser uh, from time to time, if they're still letting him call plays, but it's just, you know, why not? They have no sense of sticking with the hot guy. They, they, they're the only people that couldn't see what, what Montgomery was capable of uh, on Sunday. And that is ultimately what cost us uh, the game. Cause we went away from what was working in the first half and did the opposite in the second half. So, I just, oh. I, I just I if Bill O'Brien was still around coaching game against Matt Nagy, yeah, I legitimately think it could be the most unwatchable football game <laughs> of, the, of the year. Yeah, but I mean, you, you make a I mean, you didn't make much of a case, but you make a good case as far as like why you think the low scoring game because why would Nagy keep running the football even when it's working? You know, against he, arguably the worst run defense in the league. Is that right? Yeah, they're yeah. going to get one tackle for loss, and he's going to be like, well, it doesn't work. I have to pass. Oh, yeah. Like, okay. I mean, <laughs> and that's the thing. When I did my preview episode last week, it's like I didn't ask for them to run the ball more. I asked for them to have patience with the running game because Nagy is very much a school, you know, a, a student of the Mike Martz school of running the football. If it didn't work, then we're not doing it again. You know, yeah. if we, we fail, even, even though Marks had uh, Matt Forte, his entire time in Chicago, if we got stuffed on first down for the first play of the game, it'll be 30 plays before I call another run. And that's very much what, what Nagy would do. If we don't get 15 yards of carry, I'm not going to run the ball. So let's just, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll pass. We'll run by passing. We'll do the short passing uh, thing. That's his uh, philosophy. And, and like I said, he's got no sense for sticking with what works. You know, making the defense stop you from what you're doing well, he'll just keep throwing things out there, and, and it's all supposed to work because his scheme is genius. Yeah. I, oh, God, I'm I'm probably going to have to pregame the hell out of this game because yeah. I, I, I refuse to watch it sober. <laughs> See, and, and, and I'm convinced now because, you know, when you – because I saw that tweet a couple of weeks ago where you said, you know, my, my, two, friend, my two teams – uh, that you know that I root for are the Texans uh, and the Bears, and and listening to you react to the way that I'm talking about Nagy, I can tell 
that's true. You're you're absolutely a, you know the you you do care about the Bears in some capacity because it it pains you as much as it pains me to talk about Nagy and what he's doing and how baffling it is and how this guy still thinks he's not going to get fired on Black Monday. Oh, he's hundred percent fired. He's done. There's no way. There's he's no absolutely way. done. He's he's done. like he got fired on Sunday, as far as I'm concerned. If it didn't happen sooner, Sunday was the death knell for him. Giving up a two digit or a two two score lead in the fourth quarter to the Lions, who just fired their own head coach and are just kind of playing out the string right now. We let him come into Soldier Field and beat us when we had a, a two score lead in the fourth quarter. That's you know, we've lost three straight division games. We've lost six in a row. Uh, and, and it's just like one loss. Each loss is more embarrassing than the other. It's just, it's unreal. Uh, <laughs> so, oh, yeah. God. I, it's, it's hard to even talk about. It is. <laughs> it is. You know, uh, which is really, you know, really a lot of fun for me doing a, a podcast about it. You know, it's like I thought last year was a, a ball-wrenching uh, kind of year watching uh, Mitch and the offense struggle the, the way that they did and his inconsistencies and uh, and all that kind of stuff, feeling sorry for the defense and uh, feeling sorry for Khalil Mack. It's like we're wasting that guy, man. We are absolutely mm-hmm. wasting him uh, right now. And it's just like, you know, aside from 2018, we haven't gotten much from him because he hasn't had much help. Uh, and, you know, it's just it's not been good. Uh, for him like we've 2018 was the year as soon as that ball doinked off the upright the window was closed that was it yep you're right you're right if you honestly the most franchise changing move you guys made might have been getting rid of Robbie yeah yeah You, you, you you might you might have a Super Bowl ring right now if you didn't get rid of Robbie that's it and you know what the funny thing is I didn't disagree with the move at the time you know, I just he, think he's he's been so good for so long. I, it's the same thing that happened with um, who was the Packers kicker, Crosby forever, uh, Crosby, where he like had a down year, and everybody's like, we got to get rid of him, got to get rid of him, and Aaron Aaron was like, no, like, it's people well, can have bad years. I wish we had somebody like that on the team at the time because we didn't have a Mitch, we didn't have a Mac, we didn't have anybody on the team. You know, it's like in 20 because it he cost us some games in 2015. And then in the preseason, he's missing field goals. He's doinking extra points uh, and everything. So it just kind of looked like Robbie Gold got old overnight, you know, so the Bears let him go. They bring in Connor Barth. God help us all. And, <laughs> you know, that was a disaster. And then, you know, the 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 rotating uh, wheel of, of guys that have come in since then and, and everything. It's just. The, it's the been a disaster. The leadership of Rodgers made a difference there because he got Mason back on his horse. He stuck up for him, and he said, "Look, kickers go through ups; they go through downs. He's going to go through an up again. You get, you guys got to be patient." And then he was fine. You know, he had a down year. He came back. He was fine the next year. So I, again, I think um, Robbie not having somebody of that status to stick up for him within the organization and basically make sure his job was safe. Um, I think that contributed a lot. And it's a big difference again, between having the guy at quarterback and not. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And we still don't have that guy. So, um, you know, God forbid if uh, somebody wanted to jettison Cairo Santos, because he's probably going to cost us some money next year if we want to keep him. 
uh, and everything that uh, like, okay, we'll let him go. We'll bring somebody else in. We don't have an Aaron Rodgers or somebody to be like, you know what? That's not a good idea. I don't champion that at all. You need to keep that guy to keep me happy kind of thing. We don't have anybody mm-hmm. on that roster right now that could, you know, pull his trump card like that. And under O'Brien, Houston didn't either because Deshaun was important, but he wasn't the guy yet because O'Brien wouldn't let him. Mm. Now, whatever Deshaun says is what happens. Right. You know, it like Deshaun and J.J., Bill O'Brien would not have been fired if Deshaun and JJ didn't sign off on it. I can tell you that much. And and JJ getting into a fight with O'Brien at practice was a big reason why he was fired. Yeah. Because JJ is that level of Rodgers within the organization of like what I say goes. Sure. Sure. You know, yeah. he was the only guy that, that Cal McNair would prioritize over Bill O'Brien. Yeah. And, and, when, and J, when JJ made it happen, that's when it happened. Yeah. And, and I think Khalil Mack is on that level as far as talent goes with 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 jj watt and and all that kind of stuff but he's such a soft-spoken you know keep to himself kind of guy i don't think that he would he would put himself out there like that to to stick his neck not because he's not a leader or anything but i just don't think that's that's who he is as far as is really the leader yeah he is yeah so yeah so like i said like we talked about earlier like the mock off seasons and one like that's uh, you know, I can see the value in, in trying to get something for Akeem and saving the salary cap space and all that kind of stuff. But it, I think it would, you know, hurt the team tremendously to lose a guy like him. Uh, right. And now. I can see the argument for that. Yeah. It just it depends on money. It depends on how COVID affects the cap. Right. Like he would be the last one that I get rid of out sure. of all of them. Like yeah, I would yeah. sooner get rid of the linebacker. Like I would sooner try to find a way to get rid of Quinn. Actually, I don't even know if that would make a difference in his contract, to be honest. No. I would try to find a way to get rid of Quinn. I would trade Mac, see if you can get something for him. At this point, you're probably only getting like a second-round pick. Um, I don't think Roquan's been signed yet, right? Uh, no, but I but he's we still got a fifth-year option on him. So Okay, so you still have time with him. Mm-hmm. Um, you might be able to get something for Kyle. Yeah. He's a little bit older, but you might be able to. Like yeah. there, there are ways to get money here to go yeah. get like a stud guard without trading Akeem. But if it's necessary, it's necessary. We'll, we'll see what they do. But he's like the last one that I'm willing to get rid of. But he is somebody that I am willing to get rid of. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. Like I said, I, I see the value in in moving him. Uh, it's just that, like you said, he'd probably be on the bottom of the list of people that I would, you know entertain uh, he's the break glass in case of emergency yeah you're right that's a great way to describe (laughs) it absolutely this is this is what we do in in desperation we move on from uh akeem hicks but we're going to do everything we can to keep him first so i agree with that so brett i i i really enjoyed this man this was a lot of fun um i I, i'm interested in what's going to happen with this game uh on sunday uh, I'm after listening to you, uh, the Bill O'Brien, Matt Nagy matchup being the most unwatchable game. I'm glad that we're not going to watch that then. Um, hopefully things will be, uh, interesting or, and entertaining, uh, at the least. And, uh, we'll see if, uh, Deshaun can exact some personal revenge on the bears for not taking him, uh, in the draft, or if the bears can get over the hump and finally get a win, uh, against the Texans, uh, on Sunday. 
I'll take entertaining at this point. Yeah. That's all I can hope for is entertaining three hours of television. <laughs> well, you know, if for, for all its flaws and for the bad outcome on Sunday, uh, the game against the Lions was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, yeah. You know, the back yeah. and forth. We got some offense. We didn't see the same level of incompetence on, on offense, which just made the, the, the games unwatchable. Uh, you know, like the, the during this six-game uh, losing streak, like before the bye, those last four games – uh, just, just it just it, it was it was all you could do not to throw shit at the television, uh, you know, watching the Bears try to play offense uh, in those games. It was so hard, so hard to watch. And at least yeah. the last two weeks, the Bears have have been you know somewhat competent on offense. They're moving the ball better. They're running uh, the football. It's you know it's been entertaining, uh, you know, or interesting at least to watch them. Uh, the last couple of weeks, so I mean, I I can handle what they're doing now. Win or win or lose, I, I'm I'm enjoying watching them play again. So, uh, yeah, that's all we can ask for. That's all we can <laughs> ask for. So, Brett, where can we keep up with you uh, online? Tell us where to find your uh, your. Vi- Have you done one on the Bears at all this year? Any bear focused videos this year? I'm planning on doing a kind of how to fix the Bears in the okay. off season. Okay, because I I felt like ever since it became clear that Nagy was going to get fired, you know, kind of going after this offense felt like it was a uh, pointless because <laughs> it's like, we know he's going to be gone anyway, you know, right. but I'll, I'll probably do something on them in the off season in terms of like how to rebuild the roster and, and everything like that. Okay. Well, let me know when you do that. We'll have you on and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll break it down and, and, and whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in the meantime, yeah, uh, you could, you can find me on YouTube. If you type in the film room, all my stuff will probably pop up. I just recently did an episode on, uh, kind of Carson Wentz and all of his problems and why he should probably be benched. <laughs> and he has which, been, did you see that? And he has been today. Yeah. yeah. yeah he got benched uh, today. And then tomorrow I'm releasing an episode on Justin Jefferson, bane of Chicago's existence. Yes. Ah, well, you know, what are you going to do? But, uh, <laughs> but thanks so much, uh, Brett, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, same thing uh, on YouTube as on Twitter, Brett Coleman. That's K-O-L-L-M-A-N-N. Yeah, the two N's. I made that mistake before. All right, Brett, thanks so much uh, for, for coming on, man. We look forward to having you on again real soon. Thanks for having me. want to thank Brett once again for being on the show and again look forward to having him on uh, again during the offseason if and when he does that uh, that Bears related uh, video and um, uh, you know like I said I, I just had a great time uh, talking to him uh, and like you heard me say you can tell that he actually does care about the Bears by the way he was reacting to some of the things that we were talking about uh, in regards to the game and the way things have been going uh, for the Bears you hear that that open Discuss. That's the pain of a fan right there. So Brett's uh, bear fandom is legit. That's for sure. So um, um, again, lo- you know, love having him on the show. Uh, be sure to check him out on on Twitter. It's at Brett Coleman. It's two T's, two L's, and two N's in there. Brett, B R E T T K O L L M A N N. So uh, spell it any other way, and you won't be able to find him. So make sure you get all the double letters uh, in there, and just search uh, the film room. Uh, on YouTube, he he makes a lot of really great videos. Like I said, he's he's very um, very smart, very football savvy, uh, and stuff. And he breaks down the the plays uh, very very well. And 
you know, you learn a lot, actually, if you watch some of those uh, videos. So if you're looking to, to bone up on your X's and O's, uh, the film room's a good place to start. So um, uh, anyway, that's uh, that's going to do it for the this conversation with Brent. Uh, come back tomorrow. We'll do the deep dive and uh, see if I can conjure up some kind of way for the Bears to maybe win this game uh, against uh, Deshaun Watson because um, – the they're not listening to me <laughs> you know it's just a big surprise i know but uh it, it's it's just you know last week was that week and it, it was just like i i you know everything that i said that I, that i would prefer that the bears do or, or would love to see them do they didn't do any of it they never sent any extra pressure at stafford they didn't attack him uh you know or try to help out that pass rush uh we didn't stay patient uh, with the running game, especially in the second half, which you know boggles the mind, considering we had a two-score lead going into uh, the second half. So of course we should run the game, protect our defense, keep them off the field, and so on and so forth. But no, we're not going to do that. We're just going to go ahead and throw the football around because that's our offense, regardless of the situation that we're in uh, right now. So yeah, I mean our defense is you know is is has more holes than a, than a block of swiss cheese but we're going to you know we're going to throw the ball so we can immediately give it back uh to the uh lions therefore putting our defense back out on the field so they can be victimized even more than they already have been uh by Stafford and company so just a brilliant uh game plan and, and let's go with soft coverage and only rushing four uh against the uh the lions and uh, leave those those gaping wide open zones uh, for him to be able to easily move the chains on third and 13 or third and 16 or or whatever, you know, to just make it look like it's routine for people to get first downs on third and a mile. So, um, yeah, so maybe I'll just regurgitate those uh, as well. If we come out and we're running the football well against the Texans, keep running the ball, man. I mean, just keep doing that. Let's get after Watson. We got to knock him off his off his rocker you know i don't i don't i don't know how what our defense should do with them i mean we're, we're not dealing with the same caliber of wide receiver for the texans we would have been had we played them like four weeks ago um but you know deshaun watson's a good player and um it doesn't seem to have mattered uh lately that he can still you know he's he's one of those quarterbacks that can elevate the team around him so even with the you know fourth fifth and sixth wide receiver on the roster he seems to be making it easy for the offense uh to get the job done so i don't know we'll have to see we'll have to get creative and uh, see what pagano comes up with hopefully it'll be a better game plan than the one he had for green bay and detroit because he's gotten scorched for 30 plus points in the last two games plus a ton of yards on top of it so the defense has got a lot to answer for uh, because after getting called out by the coach from Green Bay, they doubled down on their you know horrible performance uh, and let the Lions come into town and beat us. So now we got uh, you know Deshaun Watson, who I'm sure is fielding questions about it. I've already seen um, you know tweets about how Mitch has been answering those questions already. And God help the kid, man, he he handles it like a champ each and every time, you know, and uh, gives the very safe and politically correct answers to, to that kind of stuff when he's probably got to be super frustrated and annoyed that he keeps getting asked those questions but what are you going to do but um, nonetheless uh, come back tomorrow we'll see what I can conjure up for keys to the game outside of the usual suspects if I can uh, come up with anything 
And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows.